All right. Welcome to the Wilderness Outreach Mancast. My name is not John Bradford. It's Pete Mamoni. And <laughs> I'm here with my brothers, John, Michael, Arnold, and uh, James. And it looks like Shane Garrity is joining us. Um, anyway, welcome to our weekly adventure, the Mancast going into the wilds of masculine spirituality where we will be hunting for the meaning of manhood tracking down the intersection of faith and science uncovering true leadership and searching for the deep meaning of the history of god's created universe so strap on your hiking boots grab your backpack and your compass along with your map let's roll what's up fellas yeah nice nice job Thank you. Got us a couple uh, young men with us tonight. This is this is good stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's great. So, so Shane, if you lower your camera a little bit, I look more like you're. Yeah, I've got the whole body here. So it looks like for a second. A <laughs> Time out. Let's open with a prayer, John. Open us with a prayer. <laughs> okay. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we bless you. We adore you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Uh, in particular, Lord, thank you for just a, a fantastic week in the wilderness with some really good brothers and some really good experiences and uh, in the, the Sierra Nevada. And we're here to talk about those tonight with, uh, with uh, our brothers Shane and Michael. And uh, so we're going to get rolling and we, we, we ask that we have a, a a good and blessed conversation tonight in Jesus's name. Amen. 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 And just a second, let me grab something out of the printer. That's one of the problems of being old school, right? Nah. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, so here we are, you know, like 10 days later. And some things have happened. And uh, so we ended up going into the Sierra Nevada mountains on the John Muir Trail and the, um, the Pacific Crest Trail in the state of California. And it's where it all began 15 years ago, our first expedition. And uh, so we had, we had men there from the ages of 18 to 52 years which is pretty remarkable, right? So, I mean, 18 to 70, which encompassed a, a, uh, an age. Yeah, I was about to ask. Of 52 years. Yeah, I was getting a little tongue tied. <laughs> so, and, uh, so, John, that's where it started was at this location was the first uh, expedition. Is that what you're saying? It was. Uh, we, in that basic area, there was a, a, a rock wall approach that we had to put in on a bridge across Mono Creek, which was part of the John, which the John Muir Trail ran over. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was quite a blessing to see that same location again. I have to admit, uh, I didn't actually see the bridge until we were coming down at the end of the expedition. I knew it was off to the side of us when we were coming up the John Muir Trail, but we didn't take the time on the way in to look at the bridge. But I was coming back down all my brothers and Shane was part of them uh, were standing on that bridge. So when I was coming down the John Muir trail from say North to South, 
all of a sudden I could see Father Hal standing on the bridge, you know, waving to me like this. And I could see it through the trees up there. And Shane was down there. And uh, when I walked down there, and here's Father Hal standing on the bridge, looking at me with this big grizzly bear type grin that yeah. he has. That Shane and Michael know what I'm talking about. And uh, as I walked and approached that bridge, the memories just flooded back into me. And, and like, as I'm speaking right now, there's some tears starting to form on my eyes because all the, the things that happened there and then, the, you know, the subsequent or the, the, the next 15 years of all the work of wilderness outreach, it just kind of came flooding back, right? So it's just uh, quite, quite the experience. Yeah. Was there anyone besides yourself that was originally there on the first trip? Was it just you? Just me. Yeah. Okay. Just me. So everybody else. So the, the original uh, group of men was made up uh, by primarily the men of St. Paul's Outreach. Dominic mm. Demate was there. Uh, uh, Clayton Frederick, Nick Weidenbenner, uh, Mike Heskamp, uh, Father Thomas Gardner, and a couple other men that I can't, my memory won't bring up their names right now, but yeah, it was just a blessed time. Father Chuck Kelly from the, the Diocese of uh, Sacramento was our priest on that expedition. And, uh, yeah, so it was uh, interesting. But it was kind of interesting that I didn't see that bridge until we were coming out. So I was primed for a, an emotional experience when that happened because uh, as uh, both Shane and Michael can tell you, these expeditions have a way of breaking us down, don't you think? Most definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I think, and uh, you know, the Pacific Crest Trail is like one of the most popular backpacking trails in in the certainly in the United States, but probably the world. And, uh, so, Shane, when we uh, when we think about that, can you attest to some of the experiences that we had that proves that point? Mm. Like when we're up on the trail, where, where were these people from that we were? Oh, yeah, we had people from all over. Um, a good contingent were from Germany and France. Um, there were a lot of different people. Some of them were from California, a lot of them from Oregon who had started on the trail and came down. Um, a couple people from the Midwest, but a lot of Europeans. I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah, and also uh, several Asian folks, I I would say, right? Yeah. And, uh, not being really good at pinpointing where our, our brothers and sisters from from uh, East Asia are from. It's hard for me to, to, to say. But And then, you know, the also, I don't know if you men saw that, but when we were down on the trail one time. Here comes this guy up the trail with a recurved bow <laughs> in a full hut. He's got arrows and he's got a backpack with him and he's going back into the backcountry to hunt deer with a recurve bow, right? Not the compound, but the old the old school recurve bow. And that that looked uh, I was, I've seen that before. Once before I've run into a guy that's heading back in the backcountry with a recurve bow. Also joining us tonight is Jeff. Hey guys. Jeff 
Klein, one of our brothers who just came back from the high country with us. So, uh, yeah, we're kind of starting to recount some things there. Um, uh, so, as, as uh, we've talked about in the past few weeks on our podcast, the wilderness outreach experience is one that really immerses men in what we call the five disciplines of worship, work, asceticism, leadership, and brotherhood. And uh, once you go through this, you start understanding what those five principles are. It's, it's kind of like the thing that really separates us from, say, these. There's a there's several, or at least a couple, two to three Catholic apostolates that that enter into the wilderness and, and they're doing some good work there. But they're they're what I would call adventure based apostolates. So their idea is to take people, with, and a lot of times it's co-educational, take people into the uh, wilderness with a priest and celebrate mass like we do, but it's more of let's hike and go someplace. And it, it's, a, it's a little more of a casual type of uh, experience, you'd say, I'd say. And whereas ours, what I think really differentiates us is the idea of work. And that's so important, especially since we're a male apostolate in the formation of men. And uh, maybe Jeff, you could speak about that first, the idea of how work helps form us, and then uh, Michael say something about that perhaps, and then Shane follow in behind there. First, I want to say good to see you, Michael. Hope you're feeling better. We missed it you. Looks good. Thank you. Hey. Good to see you guys. There, there's a, and just joining us is our young, the, the young brother, Maximilian Lee. Hey, everybody. Welcome. So we got got the oldest and the youngest here right max yes 52 years of manhood there you go <laughs> Loving it. I, I will say that this was anything but a pleasure trip it was it was hard work and uh that's what makes it special i mean i was just on fumes coming down that hill yesterday or the day before whenever it was uh but that that's i don't remember the hurt i remember the i remember the the brotherhood, the prayer, the work, the worship, it was, hmm. as always, a wonderful experience. And uh, you, you, uh, Shane saw that for the second time, I think. And uh, just, yeah, it wouldn't be the same as a pleasure trip at all, not at all. So I'll let you guys add to that. Yeah. Um... Yeah, definitely, definitely not a a pleasure trip. I would say I've, I only had the privilege of of working one day, um, and maybe we'll get into that. But um, definitely a day filled with hard work. Um, and I would say one of the things that was interesting about that was the fact that us men automatically make teams when we go into something strenuous and as building trails and big rocks and stuff to, to create safer, more more easily traversed trails for the other hikers. But yeah, I would say definitely a building brotherhood. I got to drew pretty close through that work to my two brothers, Nick and, and Eric, um, who was working with me that day. And, um, 
yeah, definitely, uh, definitely something that I really enjoyed. But at the same time, it was very, very hard and, um, yeah, really, uh, really awesome. Yeah, I think uh, I definitely experienced that too, Michael. Like Jeff, I'm glad to hear you're doing better. Um, I think there's just something that makes the experience so much more um, fulfilling because it's centered on that asceticism and work and brotherhood. Um, there's sort of something in a man that needs to be poured out. Um, and I remember a couple of the guys talking about how cool it was that um, we had built those steps and we were hiking down and we were hiking out to leave and some hikers were already coming back up and it was like, they'll never know that we just built that step and that there was just a sheer face right there. You know, we're kind of just that unknown worker that left his mark, made it better and will never be recognized for it, you know? Um, and because of that, it, I think it's, it's, it's a self gift. It's pouring out rather than receiving um, like it would be if it was just for a cool experience. So. That's a really good point. Right. So it's like, uh, so the idea of the adventure, like let's go out and bag some peaks, right. Let's, let's get up on top of these peaks and then we can go like, yeah, I did that. Right. So it's, it's like more self and self enriching. Whereas the, the work portion is really, gift as you say shane just kind of the self-gift right the unknown self-gift right which is really kind of a beautiful thing in and of its own so yeah how about you maximilian what you got to say about the work the work was awesome um like so i was in a group with steve and matt and shane and uh we were working on a lot of drainage and so um while we were doing that we were thinking, wow, it would be really cool to see what this looks like when it rains, but it, uh, it did not rain. We thought it might like towards that very end, but we had already left. And Matt mentioned, he was like, this is what Christians, Christians do. And like, it kind of tied in with evangelization where, um, you might never see the fruits of your labor, but you still are there to work hard and, uh, do the most you can. So when we think about, uh, you know, one of the things that's, that made this trip different than like the other trips, a lot of times we'll go in places that you don't even see anyone. You know, you'll be in the backcountry for a week and if you see one or two people, that's amazing. But on the Pacific Crest Trail, I mean, how, how often do you think somebody was going by? Would you say an average of one person an hour at least or one person every half hour? That's all we, I'd say we saw eight to 12 people a day, which is probably more than I've seen on all the other trips I've done combined. And that, that was really neat when people would come by and, and see us. And then that one couple, the lady who had the cancer, her husband came back and was talking to, uh, uh, I think Dave and Shane and I, when we were working and he said, I came to supervise it. I think he was actually waiting to meet the rest of his party, but it was cool that he came back and, recognize us and visited with us and uh i think you were there too john you told me you had to have a hard hat on and uh, <laughs> he stayed back but it was still neat to see him and, and you know he felt like he was our friend i think and uh 
that was just really cool to just to share our our you know our work and our vis visions with people as they came by and everybody seemed very accepting and uh i think we were praying the rosary uh a few of us going up and, and we passed a couple of people sitting off the side of the trail and they just kind of looked at us like watch us go by but it was just kind of cool to have to leave that witness to them you know that we're we're here praising god and we're not going to hide from it just because you're sitting there yeah that's awesome so did you guys have any cool encounters well the yeah, the uh mostly it was small talk but uh one couple came down the hill and uh i was working with matt i think on the last day they came down the hill and actually matt had just gone up the hill and i was still at the place where we were working and i asked him where they were from and uh they said oh we're from germany and my name is german klein i said my name's klein and they said well we just passed schlater you know which is also german and as it turns out nick on the on the uh crew from minnesota was also german and actually spoke german to him so th that was pretty neat that uh, i think they got a kick out of that and so did i actually so yeah it's awesome mm -hmm. but it was just really neat to you know we've on other trips we might encounter two or three people at, at, at the whole the whole week and you know it was just really really neat to encounter people and witness what we were doing i thought that was pretty cool yeah and on on the last day when we were up near the mott lake trail turnoff there were there were two men and maybe three or four women and they were all from france and that was uh so they were speaking to us being very friendly and i guess the other thing that's really striking is everybody you pass they're just like so gracious in their praise right thank you so much for doing this yeah so yeah so what do you think if we talked about what were the themes of the week as you as we think about and you might even think of our word wars game that we played at the end but uh, that sort of captured some of the themes and uh besides peanut butter and uh the forge and things like that uh, and there's a little inside joke there i didn't realize that max was peanut butter uh intolerant oh dude that's serious night. i didn't i didn't that's know serious it. stuff like, dude yeah i know it's like <laughs> so he's like eating Two, two pieces of bread and jelly. And so what, 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 was that that, uh, what was that nickname that Eric gave you? They were calling me Jelly Max. And uh, <laughs> it, it, apparently John had been wondering the whole week why they were calling me Jelly Max. And like one of the last days he realized. Wow. Yeah. It's a little extra to offer up, huh, dude? Yeah, man. My lunch was just like bread and jelly. And even the granola bars were like, most of them had peanuts in them. It was it was pretty funny. It was Unreal. like cross to bear for the week. <laughs> so I guess that needs to go on the uh, application form, huh, John? I yeah, think I, it was. I it there. <laughs> Max was like, I'm not going to answer that. It was on there. 
Yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to get booted from the expedition. I I couldn't appear to be weak, you know. And anyway, right. yeah. <laughs> just eat the peanut butter and keep hiking. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> EpiPen if it's required, but you know, I figured I could stick it out. Right. That's awesome, dude. Kudos. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, good work yeah, not John, complaining I... too. That's rough, yeah. man. <laughs> hey, they gave me a hard time all week about it. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> Know hey, can I make you a sandwich? Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we had plans to, uh, we filled up his water bottle one night for him, but we were just going to like make a small circle of peanuts around it just in case, you know. He tried to it. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I got to add one little story. You guys that don't know, Max might just see right now. He's a fun loving guy. We were up at the lake. About half of us went up to the lake on Sunday, which was a brutal climb, but it, we were just kind of lounging there. Max and Dave went around the other side of the lake and were getting ready to swim off a rock, and we were hollering across the lake, and Max was laughing and joking at us, and I turned to Steve, and I said, that guy's a breath of fresh air. And Max, you really were. It was just it was just a joy to be around you. It was, you just were having fun with everything, even in the midst of the hard work. So thanks for keeping it light for us. Thanks, Jeff. I, I I try. Not really. I was I was uh the one I thought you we were gonna talk about whatever Steve um told me not to dive in right there. And because I was ready and he, he made sure I didn't because the water was really, really cold. And I'm really glad that I did not jump in because I would have I would have froze up pretty quick, I think. <laughs> yeah, Steve was looking out for you just just he was sitting there dead. Don't do this. Don't do that. And he was he was keeping a pretty close eye on you. But <laughs> you made good judgment. But that, that was just a fun, just fun exchange. It was a it was a nice nice trip to go up there. And even though it kicked my butt, but <laughs> yeah, that, Debbie McDougal, her uh, that was a good suggestion. I'll have yeah. to say. So yeah. I feel like either one, Silver Pass or Mott Lake, would have been cool. But Mott Lake. Mott Lake was the move, I think. <laughs> yeah, you guys hiked like nine miles in, didn't you? Into base I think, camp. I, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was That's like rugged. Yeah. Nine miles in and maybe fifteen hundred or more feet up. That that was believe it or not, coming down, picking through that boulders and the steps and the switchbacks. That that was then you get down to the lake where you figure it's going to level off, and right away there's two big ups and downs. Mm. And uh, so coming out was no picnic either, even though we were technically going down, but we made nice it. Nice little gotcha. Yeah. Mm. So uh, yeah, what? So what? Um, what? What would you say for you, Jeff? If, if you had time enough to think about what you you would say was the the your biggest takeaway from the week, your, the theme or what, as you've reflected it over the past 48 hours, anything special about it? Yeah. And I was just thinking about this today because I've been working really hard and stressing over a lot of, you know, work that I've been doing and projects I'm working on. And I was, uh, you know, went to work today to work on this room edition. And, and I just felt like, I'm just light as a feather inside. I just totally unwound, you know, just from being there and and sharing this uh, week with all these guys. And it, it was, it just, 
it kind of like reset my priorities into, you know, and, and, and I told my wife, we're going to spend more time together. Cause I've been, you know, I've been working until seven or eight every night on jobs that I got going. And I said, we're just going to start spending more time together. I'm going to step back and enjoy you more. So it just, it just, I just feel like just the fellowship, the work, the prayer, it just, you know, unwound me inside and it just feels, I just feel light and renewed inside. So I'd say that's, you know, you get, you get centered on what really matters and, and instead of getting caught up in the rat race, you know, so. I'd say that was my main takeaway. Shane, Michael, or Maximilian, any other reflections on that? Yeah, I could, I could go next. Um, as far as kind of what I, what I gathered out of it in my short time there. For those who don't, I made the hike in. Um, worked for one, and that night, and um, basically for the after that was confined. Um, and you, you would think be like a like wow, that really was was bad for people experience. I think the thing in my mind was I was I was there, I was there. Me, and I hiked in as long as like God needed her to do his work. And I think that the main thing, you know, I'd been struggling with a lot of uh, pride and being critical of other men, you know, with the preparing for the looked at myself. Somebody who's just trying to crush it, you know, pull ahead. Um, so when I got sick, it was the beginning, kind of like a break, pride. Um, definitely, I needed work, and so God. Took care. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I got, and I mean, uh, God didn't spare. <laughs> breaking me down. Glory to God. Yeah, that's uh, that struck me a lot when we talked about that earlier today, Michael. Uh, I was trying to reach into my memory there about uh, on our last uh, day, I think when we celebrated Mass in Fresno at the hotel, I was reflecting on the, the gospel readings. And in particular, there was a couple themes, the underlying spiritual themes, I think, that really stood out for me during that week. And one was the idea that, and Father was really good about getting this focused on us, is that as men of Christ, even though, say, none of us are priests, though some of us might be pretty soon, but we are shepherds by the very nature of that we're men, right? We're called to be shepherds and we want to be the good shepherd. And that's really the struggle, isn't it? So being the good shepherd then 
requires us to, like St. Paul says, to say the things that men really need to hear. And uh, then the other, the other uh, in the gospel reading, it was the gospel reading about um, the workers in the vineyard. And that was really important to me because I got thinking about, I've been thinking about this idea of how critical I am in my own mind say against other men. And I think similar to what Michael was feeling, a lot of times there's this natural critical assessment that's going on in our brain, kind of like I'm better than they are, or they're not as good as what I can do, right? That kind of thing. And I think we all struggle with that as men, right? There's this kind of a, I know better, I'm smarter or whatever. Yeah, I think it's a yeah. natural thing, dude. But uh, John, can you reiterate what Michael was saying real quick? I, I got some uh, a little bit of breakup when he was explaining what was going on. Can you kind of yeah, give us yeah, that so story I'll, again real quick? Yeah, you are breaking up a little bit, Michael. So if I, if I may, shake your hand or give me a thumbs up that I can recount your story a little bit there. So Yeah, uh, I wondered if you could hear me better now. I can reiterate. Oh, yeah, it. that's way better, dude. You okay. were, uh, yeah, I didn't want to yeah, cut you off when I you were talking. I think my uh, speaker on my phone is a little buggered up, but. Um, yeah, so I'll just start at the top again. Basically, my, my takeaway was just, uh, just a break, breakdown of my pride. Um, as I'm going into the expedition, you know, I, I thought, I, I thought of myself, like, I, I'm just going to crush it. I, I've got a pretty physical job. Um, you know, I'm not really going to struggle with too much. I'm drinking a bunch of water. You know, the altitude was the thing that kind of had me worried, but I thought, well, I'm young and I can do this. And, um, yeah, so I hiked in one day, worked the next day, and the afternoon of that second day, I could tell I was, like, really starting to struggle. And then that night came down with fevers, nausea, um, just the whole thing. It confined me to my tent for a couple the next two days. Um, mm. so yeah, just laying there knowing like I wasn't contributing at all to the group, but deep down, like being honest with myself and saying, well, this is what, this is what the Lord needed to do to me. This is what I needed was I needed this, this pride uprooted, um, and just completely just, I needed to be broken down and I think that's one of my main takes from it. It was like, I was, I was there as long as I needed to be, you know, I did, I did the, the hike in, I did the one day of work and the rest God's like, I don't need the rest of everything to, to do to Michael what I need to do to him. And so that was kind of my takeaway from it was just like, yeah, just a, a total uprooting and rewiring of my, my critical brain to like John was just saying, extremely critical of other men and you know like i'm better smarter in some way than them or i can work harder um so yeah it was it was a beautiful beautiful experience praise be to god was that your uh first expedition that you've been on yes first expedition i've, I've known about wilderness outreach for for many years and decided back in the spring that like i was going to sign up for one so i i think i was one of the first people that signed up for this expedition and 
um, yeah, I just felt called to, to go. That's awesome. Go find, go find that or get, have a conversion. So yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. That's crazy. So, I mean, the Lord meets us wherever we're at and he just knows exactly what we need at every point in our life. And it just, it blows my mind to hear stuff like that. I love that dude. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's really, so I've known Michael several years. We've had some great times together, helping, helping him get his foundation in for his company business building. And so there's been some good, good experiences there. There's probably no, no, young man that I know that can work harder than Michael. And as a, as a construction guy myself, I know it's like construction guys take pride in how hard the good ones take pride in how hard they can work, how well they can work, how good of a job they can do and how they just get after it at all times. So, and I think, you know, that's how Michael was coming into this. And uh, so anyway, part of this Michael's story is that, uh, there's always something that's never happened before on a wilderness outreach. And Michael was like, right, right in the center of it all. Right. So I came up on the second day hoping that, okay, he's rested in the tent. He's, he's going to be good. Uh, he's starting to recover. So he'll hang with us till the end. And I walked into the tent and looked at him and I said, when's the last time you took your temperature? He said, just did as 103.5. Nice. And, and I just like, touched him he's like burning up you know and i'm like okay we got to get you outside the tent we're going to get you get you relaxed get you drinking some water and uh and i just said michael the bottom line here is if you know you're gonna we're gonna get you out of here that's you know it's because you just can't you know can't have you up here sick and we're gonna get you out of here and remarkably once we got you set up outside and you started drinking water because you hadn't hydrated a lot that morning I noticed you maybe drank a fourth of a liter and it's mm. like, I knew, okay, we got to get you hydrated. So once he started hydrating, it actually dropped from 103.5 down to 101.7, I think. So we're modern drink pretty close, but remarkable thing is sitting up there in the top of that, that, that Valley pocket meadow at about eight, uh, 8,800 feet. The night before I turned my phone on, even though I knew I didn't have any reception. And lo and behold, I've got a bar. I got one bar, right? Nobody else is. So I'm so basically I go get my phone and I call uh, Debbie McDougal's office and said, we got a problem here. Houston, we've got a problem. I got a young man up here that's not feeling well. He's sick. We need to get him out of here. And she said, call Sierra Dispatch now. And so I called this guy at Sierra Dispatch by the name of, uh, Nate Gorham, G-O-R-H-A-M, and man, he was like all over it. Now, okay, we got you located. We know where you are. One of our guys had a one of those uh, beacon. It wasn't a spot, but I can't remember the exact thing. But he could text to them exactly our location, and he basically was back to us within a half hour and saying the the uh, uh, Fresno County Sheriff's on it and they're coming to get him. So we're like, and probably within the hour after we made that call, all of a sudden there's Matt Schlater and I and, uh, and Isaac, uh, Michael's brothers up there, and we could hear the helicopter starting to come up the valley. So it's pretty cool. And uh, uh, so they came up and 
wanted to give Michael the, the third degree a little bit, like ask him a bunch of questions before they allowed him onto the, the ship. And, uh, and then uh, they loaded him up and away he went. So tell us a little bit about that ride. Have you never been in a helicopter before, right, Michael? Yeah, so this whole trip was a lot, lot of firsts for me. So it's my first time flying. Uh, I'd been in small pipe, you know, like little Cessna planes, but I'd never been in a commercial airline. So that was first. Um, of course, first time out west there and up first time in the mountains. Um, but yeah, then when we when they picked us up, the, the helicopter was basically a four seater. So it was super small. And not really much room for any kind of luggage. Um, and also, all the doors were off the helicopter. So, basically, when we lifted out of there, we were flying at, you know, maybe three to 500 feet above the trail. Basically, followed the trail that we hiked in all the way down to the base of the mountain. And um, I was telling John earlier, they dropped me off at the hippie hiker store. <laughs> there's a store down there where all the hikers gathered. And there's like, I walked into the, the, we landed. There's like all these people out staring at me, you know, as I walk in, I felt like, you know, everybody was just staring at this helicopter. They just dropped this dude off and I'm just walking into the town. And I walked into the store and there's like heavy metal rocking and everything going on. And I, uh, tell the lady like hey i'm just here you know to there's a uh, when i got off the helicopter they told me there's a ambulance coming to pick me up which immediately i was kind of like oh no because i knew the the road getting in there was not something i would run up want to ride an ambulance in i want to be able to move my body with with the road <laughs> um but sure enough i I sat there for a while and I'm like, well, it's going to be three hours before the ambulance even gets here. So I, I started like trying to make a plan B like, Oh, I could try to get a shuttle. There was no shuttles in off the mountain. Um, and then I thought, well, I'll just offer what cash I had to whoever wants to drive me back. At least they could just drive me to the ER. I don't really, I was feeling okay. Still low grade, but nothing too serious. So, um, so I sat out by the road, the little, mostly like a driveway, um, for like five minutes and the ambulance was there. So they made a lot better time than I thought they would. Um, but yeah, long ambulance ride back in. So that was my first ambulance ride, um, back into the little town of Clovis, um, and the ER there. And basically that was the rest of the night was ER, they ran some tests, pumped some fluids in me. Um, and then I had a lady from the Forest Service pick me up and the Forest Service put me in a room for the night. And it was funny, it was like, um, before I'd lifted out in the helicopter, Father Howe had anointed me. Um, so it was kind of like, part of the breaking down was like I'm 24 years old and getting anointed with no anointing of the sick. And so that was huge for me, but also for my, I had a confession and for my penance, he wanted me to recite like Jesus, I trust in you 10 times. And 
I think whenever I started forgetting that. So I was sitting in the ER and was just thinking about all these events that have been going on and what's the ER going to find out, yada, yada. And I see this woman walk by with a sacred heart tattoo on her elbow. And immediately I'm like, you know, Jesus, I trust in you. So we go back in the ER, get all fixed up. Still just under a fever, technically a fever. So they just charged me, got picked up. And then we didn't get but five minutes down the road and we got pulled over. <laughs> so I'm like, wow. Um, but the lady, she had bought her stickers, but didn't have them on her tag. So we, I opened up the glove box to help her get a registration. And there's the Holy Bible sitting there, like another reminder to, to say, Jesus, I trust in you. Um, so then from there, back to the, the hotel room at about 1230 that night, I finally was able to go go to sleep and try to get some rest. So yeah, quite, quite an amazing, uh, amazing experience. I like those references there you made to the, the Bible, the sacred heart and that that's pretty cool. I did not know that all happened. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Dave and Shane and I were working down the hill, and I think some of the guys at the top of the hill maybe knew what was going on, but we're starting back up, and here comes a helicopter, and we think, oh, cool, helicopter, and then it's like, oh, wait, it's circling our top of the hill, it's circling our camp, that guy's not good, and of course, the first thing we thought of was you, Michael, but I was also worried about some of the old guys, some of us old guys that were up there, and I'm thinking, what are we going to find when we get to the top, and so we were praying, praying for you and for whatever on the way up that hill. And, uh, but, uh, I also wanted to echo something that Michael said that struck with me as the pride thing coming down the hill, John took away my tent and sleeping bag. Shane carried my tent down and Dave and Steve took turns taking my sleeping bag down. And it was like, my first thought was I can do this. Don't do that to me. And then, uh, in retrospect, that was the pride thing because I probably would have collapsed from that little bit of extra weight by the time we got down there. So I wanted to believe I was young and hearty as the rest of you guys, but uh, I had to swallow a bit of pride myself and it was a good thing. So thank you for that lesson, John. Yeah, I hope I wasn't uh, too abrupt in that whole situation. But, uh, yeah. Hey, not at all. Brothers sometimes have to be do what they got to do. It's good. It's good that I've got a younger brother to pick on every once in a while. It's been great. You got a few of them. You got a few of us. Yeah. God mm -hmm. bless you. Yeah. So, um, kind of moving on to a couple other things here. So, uh, at the end of the, of the at the end of the exp at the end of the expedition on the last night in the wilderness, we have developed this. Uh, this thing we call word wars, where we argue about what the theme of the of the, the week was, what the theme, you know, and, and so I noticed that we got Michael Pavey, who's one of our wilderness outreach guys, and he's like, what is the word, John? What was the word? Right? <laughs> Put it out there to us. So 
that he can't wait, right? We've been we've been teasing him with this. So anyway, we ended up with uh, thirteen. We ended up saying, "Well, we're going to do a phrase." I think, right? We did, we agreed instead of just say a word, we were going to do a phrase that sort of uh, uh, defined the week. And we ended up with like thirteen phrases. And here's another first. I mean, we've done this several times, and usually, what happens is with with 13, 14, 15 men, they have an overlap. It's almost the same thing. You'll see a repeat, but I'm, I'm telling you right now, there were 13 really good phrases that captured the week. All of them completely different. I've never seen anything like it. So it was really pretty stunning. And then uh, for those of you who don't know what Word Wars is, there's a, there's a, it's a lot of fun. We end up saying, we got to get this down to three. So we got to eliminate, in this case, we had to eliminate uh, 10 of the words. So we go through a Robert's rules of order argument type thing. It gets, it gets kind of funny at times. Guys defend their, their word or their phrase, and, uh, and then they just get booted out eventually. And uh, so we ended up with three, three phrases at the end there. And, uh, and I, frankly, I don't know who, I know and he know who the winner is right he's sitting amongst us here tonight so uh but i think number three if i'm not incorrect was be a man be a rock so does any said so max do you know who's that was by you're smiling like you know who, who, who john is. i that, think that was uh, jeff yeah i think number two was be a man be a rock and then number Third. three was the forge yeah three was the forge Right. Okay. So Jeff was be a man, be a man, be a rock. Yes. Yes. It, so he was just basically denied right at the end. He almost had it. Right. So that's, yeah. that's, that's good. Cause I got kicked out early. Right. It's like father, Hal, like dismissed me, like go away. You know, <laughs> so that's Shane's, Shane's word was Latin. I didn't know what it meant, but it sure sounded cool. And uh, <laughs> when I found out what it did mean, it was even cooler. And I, yeah. I think, Shane, you very rightly deserved to uh, to win that contest. That was a, a good a good saying. It sounded cool in Latin, and it sounded cool in English too. Yeah, Pontus Viri Probati. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Say it for us, Shane. Just yeah, it's uh, Monte Viri Probati. Um, it means mountain proven men. Yeah, what a great phrase, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, so yeah. So, uh, and then it was the also second. kind of, oh, yep. it was and also we, just kind of cool because, uh, the, it, just the first letters said MVP. Um, and so there was kind of a hidden double meaning in there that me and, uh, Eric actually had kind of like seen before and we we're like, oh, that would be, wow, that would work, you know? So it was cool. Nice. Nice. So who so who was the forge anyway? Does anybody know? That was uh, Nick Net, yeah. Oh, okay, that was mm -hmm. good. Yeah, the forge was a good. I liked the forge as well. I thought that was a good. The idea that that the wilderness outreach experience is kind of like a forge, right? Where it's really uh, it's really busting. Excuse me while my dogs run in here. <laughs> All right, go away. So, uh, <laughs> uh, 
real life, folks. So uh, tell us a little bit about the – so on the evenings at night, we were discussing something. We were discussing a book. So what uh, – Max, you've been sitting there silent for a while, so I'm going to prod you for some uh, – for some discussion there what's uh tell us about the the book we were reading okay so the book was called um no apologies by anthony esselin and i actually have it right here this is the book this is the book everybody and um it was basically about uh, what actually says right on the cover says why civilization depends on the strength of men and the chapter i had was the second chapter about agency and the whole thing, it kind of progresses throughout the, uh, the entire book. The line of reasoning starts off with like the physicality of men and how that kind of um, um, emerges throughout society and everything. And then it goes into more of like the mental and psychological and spiritual um characteristics of men and so mine was really close to strength and kind of based on it and it was about the vision of men and uh how it was completed and what happened in order for men to have that sort of like drive and force to complete it and uh one that an example i really liked was the um the roman aqueducts and how there was a problem like a water problem and they needed how the heck were they going to solve this water problem and it was all about the coordination of the Romans, how they got the materials, they got the men, they had the vision, and they completed it. And uh, it was pretty. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, and some of those. Uh, I mean, the amazing thing is that that was in in the ancient world. And what were the? How precise were they in building? How precise did they need to be to build the aqua? Do you remember very precise i think it was they said at one point it was like anywhere from 400 to 700 feet the incline went down an inch for the water to, to continue flowing but just the amount of distance that they were covering and if it was off then a substation could be ruined or the aqueduct would collapse so they had to be very precise and it talks about the tools they developed in order to like like level out what they were building it was crazy they had this board and they used like water in it to like make sure it was level the ingenuity was pretty uh amazing yeah and and how what was the interesting tie-in with the area that we were in with that whole idea oh like, you're talking just like what we were doing well let's say the the like uh, edison lake Oh, just the amount of oh, because um, I know Tyler and Jim was were telling us that it was like the biggest project for like water, um, like water produced power in like the nation. It was a a big project. I think started somewhere in the mid or no, it was started by Roosevelt. I think was it by Roosevelt? I think yeah, it was probably. started. I think it was started by uh, by Roosevelt, and it was all about how they they capitalized on the lakes being up, and they were just using hydropower at these gravity fed systems, and uh, pretty crazy some of the stuff. It's like a huge producer of power in California are those lakes. Yeah, and, that, and so they have these tunnels that run 
for miles and miles and miles that they dug through the rock, you know, the granite of the Sierra Nevada, these tunnels that carry the water from higher lakes to lower lakes. And then it's, it's, they're running through turbines. So they're creating electricity. And then at one point they're because the, they're getting more power out of it. They're pumping the water back up into the top lake again, like at night when the power is down. And, and so they actually can, uh, they're actually creating more power through sending the water back up again. And it's all based on a siphon. And I forget, they said when they were digging those tunnels from two different directions, they were only an inch off after drilling and cutting through the granite. So from two different directions over miles and miles and miles of that. So it's really kind of a, it was kind of an example of Anthony Esselin's book on agency and this, this idea of how men have uh, basically changed the face of the earth for the, for the good. And uh, it's pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. So Jim, you have any questions for the men? Always, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so Jim, introduce, introduce yourself. I don't know. Do you? I don't think Max knows who you are, and maybe I don't know if Michael's ever met you. So yeah, I think uh, Shane's the only person that I've ever actually met, and and he's gone. So. Um, so my name is Jim Hahn. I am, uh, if you know, I don't know if any of you know, Father Bill Hahn. That's my younger brother. Um, I've been on three wilderness outreach trips, um, New Mexico and twice to California. Um, but uh, so I, I got an idea of kind of what y'all are talking about, but this is just uh, amazing to hear this. And, and last week, Pete and I kind of went over a wilderness outreach trip and you know just what to expect typically and how all that works and uh, shared that with everybody and so so far we ha have been proven wrong on basically everything because you guys have this unique trip experience this time <laughs> um i would i would go that far let's backpedal a little bit here all right we weren't wrong about everything okay <laughs> <laughs> uh we did mention the helicopter so i think we did get that part right so yeah i think we were talking about that yeah <laughs> oh, so you had some inside information huh uh, right not, we knew, what, we knew a lot yeah i think i texted laura like thursday and she didn't even say anything about it in case you guys were wondering <laughs> so, i don't know if she knew but she didn't tell me a thing so, so. somebody did i want to know who the inside who the mole is I don't know. Back to your questions, Jim. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so, and I'm starting to hear a theme as you guys are talking, but, it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like maybe a theme, a spiritual theme would be, you know, humility, you know, kind of learning that, that'd be a, a fair assessment. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think jeff about, max yeah yeah humility in in terms of accepting help when you would like to think you don't need it uh, humility in in finding that your limitations are 
not as high as you thought they might be. And, and, uh, but for me, it was refreshing to say, cause I'm, as you said, John stubborn, you called me that and, uh, and you were right. Uh, but, but just to kind of let go of that a little bit and, and say, all right, I will accept the help. And, and, you know, it, it made me think of going down these guys helping me carry, even, you know, carrying the pack or, or, or got to the stream and Dave lent his poles to people to cross those rocks. Cause I would, they were not stable enough to guarantee getting across without falling in for at least not for me. And uh, just all the people reaching out and, 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 and showing love to, to someone they met just a week ago, uh, things like that. It was just, it's really humbling to, you know, to, you know, encounter these guys and accept, accept the love. And when you like me kind of have a stubborn habit of thinking you can do it yourself. So that was a good, a good lesson for me. Yeah. And uh, the kind of humility that I experienced was I think different than most people because I was the youngest one and it was very obvious that everybody was much wiser and more well-learned than me. And um, like the work, like stooping down to that kind of just like level of lifting boulders and moving rocks is just such a, such like a sort of like Neolithic kind of work. Like it, it was pretty awesome. It was kind of like humbling, but being able to listen to the lives and the stories of everybody on the trip just like was very, it gave me a lot of humility of like, wow, I know pretty much nothing about like what it means to be a real man. Cause I mean, we had every, we had every single category filled with like the guys that were there. I mean, we had a priest, a deacon, a seminarian, married guys, uh, married guys with children, some with not, we had single guys like fresh out of college kids. So it was pretty sweet and all their different experiences I was able to learn from. And it was really like, like, wow, I have like a lot ahead of me and just the insight brought great humility. Yeah, it's a, it, it was that theme again of, uh, so and another one of the men that was with us, um, he, he suggested to me that, uh, he learned something in the past year about mentoring other men. And I thought, wow, this was really good. He said, I realized that my mentoring style in a sense, isn't good for every man. And so it allowed us to talk about that. I thought about that a lot through the years that there's certain personalities or temperaments of, of men you can work with that are going to fit well together. Right. But there's certain men that it won't fit and it won't work. And I think this particular brother was kind of suggesting that perhaps he was sort of of the mind at one time that, well, my method is the right method. And if you're not getting it, there's something wrong with you. But he's like, no, I realized finally that I was wrong about that. Right. That it's like, and so we kind of got talking about the whole, how important then brotherhood is. So it, within our our band of brothers, right, our extended family, a band of brothers, there's probably certain men within our band of brothers structures. It would be better to mentor someone else, right, because of the temperament, uh, 
you know, whatever their experience in life is and everything. So I thought, well, that was really key when I heard him talk about that. That's uh, so once again, that kind of that understanding of who I am and what I can do and what my limitations are. That's sort of the, you know, humility again, it's this understanding who we really are and what we can really do and what we should be doing. So again, that there was that theme that was running through. There was a, there was some fun out there, I believe, right? Uh, I think uh, Max. So Max, had you been a fisherman before you showed up there, or was this just a new venture for you? You were into. Um, I have been, but this style was different for me. It's called tenkara, and it's like a Japanese mountain fishing technique. And I was like thinking, we're gonna be in the mountains, so I'm gonna take this new rod that I bought. So it was pretty new to me but it worked we we got some really like decent sized rainbow trout which was pretty exciting yeah that's pretty neat and and the other thing was kind of neat about max is he's he's kind of like a mole for us he's like one of our he's he's one of our catholic young brothers it's like a spy within the woke organization so tell us a little bit about that where you work <laughs> so um you're, what work are you, work are you you're talking about REI or what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, tell us about, so you, you work where, where you work? I work at REI, so Recreational Equipment Incorporated, and uh, everybody is asking for a discount. Woke Recreational Equipment. <laughs> Woke Recreational. <laughs> yeah, there, <laughs> there is a, there is a lot of, that's, there's kind of a joke at our work is the guys in the bike shop tend to be very more, like more uh, more conservative in their views and, and a lot of the other people there, there's definitely a clash there but um yeah everybody's I get I get access to a lot of good gear for these kind of expeditions and uh, everybody's been asking for a discount so if, any, if anybody <laughs> is an REI I, I got you you get that 30% off don't worry yeah I'll hook you up. And Max was like, uh, he, he, he was camped in a, in a, a tent that I call a bear burrito. Would you like to explain what a bear burrito is? So, so this bear burrito <laughs> is actually a hammock tent that I was in. And so I was suspended in the air and I got made fun of. I was, I was brutally attacked for sleeping in brutally this, attacked, in this, <laughs> in this hammock tent <laughs> because Did it you was sleep very, good? I slept really well. It was, I slept really well. So I was like, was Hey man, it. yeah, you guys is lost, man. It was, it was pretty awesome. So I was in a hammock and the tent part was actually like integrated into the hammock. Um, it's pretty cool. It can go on the ground if you want it to, like a bivy sack, or you can. There was trees, so I figured I'd hang it up because it kind of stretches it out a little bit more. But uh, yeah, that's the bear burrito right there. Yeah. So the other thing that we discovered uh, when we were out there, and it's kind of a shame Shane left because he was kind of almost on the ground floor of this innovative. Uh, game that we came up with but we we discovered in that we in, in going on a wilderness outreach is sort of get in touch with your neolithic manhood as using barring a word that uh, 
that the Max used there. So in, in getting in touch with our Neolithic manhood, you know, we go back into the mists of time to 10,000 years ago, you know, right after God was starting to melt the glaciers and, and our forefathers, the ancient patriarch, used to play this game that we discovered on Wilderness Outreach this time. And the name of this game is Rock Hole. And there's a, there's a modern uh, a game similar to that where more effeminized men use like women's powder puff bags and they throw right. them at holes in a plywood. And I think they call that cornhole. <laughs> that was a mere shadow, a mere shadow of what Unreal. That we rediscovered. So we ended up discovering that really the original, even horseshoes and cornhole come from this ancient game called rock hole. And so wow. two concentric, half concentric circles of big rocks. And this and is really what happened to Michael. Anyway, go ahead. Let's hear it. He, he actually <laughs> was going to beat everybody in rock hole. But anyway, we had these two. Uh, and you don't call them courts, right? They're like the arena. So the rock hole arena, one of the things to remember that as a man, so so anyway, I'll, I, I digress here a bit. But you have these two concentric circles of big rocks at each end, about 40 feet apart, half circle. And you have to throw these stones and they're kind of selective, right? So you, you're throwing them like like you do this modern feminized game of throwing women's powder at plywood holes. But anyway, so you bounce them in, and then so the center of it is called half named after the sledgehammer. And if you get in the center, that's two points, and that's the double jack. And then the next side out, if you hit in there, that's one point, and that's the rock bar. And then, so as part of our innovation in this game, there's going to be a third circle out there. And if you get in that, so we might actually have one, two, three points. And the outside circle would probably be the Pulaski or the McLeod. And uh, so anyway, there's this game. It's, it's like it's going to become part of the tradition of wilderness outreach because you're back in the backcountry and there's rocks everywhere and you can throw them. And I think at one point, Jeff's over in the kitchen kind of thinking, what are those goofballs doing over there? Because, you know, we're over there. And so finally, Jeff comes over to play a game. And what what would you think, Jeff? What's your assessment of the game? That was a lot of fun. But uh, what, you know, because you're using irregular rocks, so you don't know how they're going to bounce or roll. But <laughs> what I thought was really neat about it is that you got four guys playing and the other guys are all watching and they're engrossed in it like it's game seven of the World Series. And uh, Chris is over there cooking, and he says, dinner's on, and, you know, here's a bunch of hungry young men. They want to watch the game. They're not worried about eating. They want to watch the end of the game. And I thought that was, <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool because it, it really struck me how everybody was watching and cheering and hollering and ooing and on, and it was a real bonding thing, you know. Uh, it, it was basic – basic little game, but it was just so engrossing and so bonding that the guys wouldn't even eat until the game was over. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. It, and it was a, there's a couple of nuances of the game. So we, each, you have four 
each team has four rocks, right? When you throw them, it's unlike horseshoes that are marked A and B or the, the uh, you know, the, once again, the effeminized powder puff bags of cornhole. I think those are collared so you can kind of see who's, who's is who's. But so these rocks are kind of indistinguishable. So once the points are added up, part of the game is contact sport, get the best rocks. So that's part of the game. So push up, tackle, get the best rocks you can so you can throw them, right? And then we've decided that one of the uh, one of our statements for defining this game, of, first of all, it's not a court, it's an arena, and that uh, uh, don't enter unless you have the stones. <laughs> it's one of our settings. So anyway, you thought that was what's up. I like it. Good stuff. And, and, and if, if you're, uh, you can, um, just a little advertisement now, you can get on the ground floor of this up and coming uh, program. So all you have to do is send in a, a, uh, a donation to Wilderness Outreach and we'll get you on the ground floor. Can I fall back? That's amazing stuff. Can I fall back to a comment that Max made a little bit ago? about being a young guy and, and being mentored. But I just want to tell you, Max, even us old guys are being mentored. We're never stopped learning. So now I may have been the second oldest guy on the trip, but I'm, I'm learning from you young guys as well. So it's, it's, it's a never ending process and it's something that we're always doing for each other. So don't feel like you're in, left field because you're the young guy i mean like i said we learned and enjoyed watching you too so it's it's a it's a mutual thing you kind of get the feeling max can hold his own don't you <laughs> so uh oh great hey john we're we're uh <clears throat> we're a little over an hour here but i did want to ask one one question um from each of you and let's let's say that there's a guy out there right now listening to this uh, podcast, and he's on the fence about whether to go on a wilderness outreach expedition uh, or not. What would you say to him right now, Max? Uh, I'd say this is because I talked to my brothers about this, and uh, whenever I got back last night, and I would say that if you're doubting it at all, just full send it because you're going to learn a lot. And at first I was like, ah, should I go? Cause I, I met Peter. He probably doesn't remember me. I think I met you at the Catholic men's conference this past year. Yeah. And uh, we, there was like a log there that we sawed in half and I saw it in half of my brothers. And he was like, tell me about this thing. And I was like, ah, this just kind of sounds like boy scouts. Like, and I never did boy scouts and I was always like, the carbon soap and like it was always kind of just like eh, you know and, like they, they were just, feel it. yeah and it was just kind of one of those things and i was like what, what is this guy kind of what is this guy getting at here but uh it was intriguing and so but when i looked into it and i kind of saw what it was it's 100 percent worth it and if you're especially if you're you feel like uninformed about your faith or if you feel kind of unsure about what's going on or what's going to happen to you. It's, it'll help you a lot like this. It changed my perspective on kind of what it means to be a man. And I think that 
if I hadn't gone, I don't know. Like I, I, I think that God would want you to go on this trip. Uh, that's that's what I have to say. Like I, I think that He would want you to because in the, our society today, it forms us to be a certain kind of a certain kind of man. And the wilderness outreach kind of brings you back to your roots and makes you find what it means to be a man within yourself. So I would. I would highly recommend it to somebody who's either on the fence about going or kind of interested in going. Great. Fantastic. I what about you, Michael? To work on <laughs> my marketing yeah, skills. I would, I, would, uh, <laughs> I would echo Max's words and also just add like, like I've talked to several different people who's gone on expeditions and, um, you know, I think even that this expedition itself, like I talked some friends with a couple of people that went on that, that original one. Um, and I haven't talked to anybody yet who was like, yeah, that was a waste of time. I mean, it's, I think it's something definitely that you just like when I signed up for it, I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm going and like got online right then and there signed up. And then started telling, you know, like my brother, not him signed up, but also just through prayer, also discerning as it, you know, as it draws near, maybe there's somebody else who goes in your spot that maybe the Lord's leading you to invite, or, you know, we had that happen with this expedition of people who gave up their spot for somebody who maybe needed it more than them at this time but you know they'll go on it eventually or whatever um so yeah definitely definitely encourage it get it get it on the books get it on the in the calendar and just uh yeah pray about it but as max said i think god really approves of this apostolate it's really something great's going on there Yeah, and that's great to hear you you say that just, you know, and especially since everything you you would have every kind of right to be like, yeah, well, I don't I don't know. This was just a this was just a mistake or whatever, but but you really got a lot out of it even in the limited time that you were on the mountain, I guess, so to speak. Yeah, I hope I hope um guys that join or don't have as mountainous uh pride problems that I do and need to go that way but <laughs> uh, yeah definitely definitely recommend it great what about you Jeff I've invited people to come and they've said things like oh I don't know I can't sleep on the ground or I don't know I don't have time for it but I, I wouldn't say this uh, I did my first one as a bucket list I wanted to get, do one before I got too old so to speak in the it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Couldn't wait to get home and see my wife, get in bed, sleep in the bed, have a home-cooked meal, uh, you know, see my kids and all that stuff. And I couldn't wait to come back. So I, I've done eight now, and uh, wow. I'm, I'm going to do them until I can't do it anymore because there's something about pushing yourself beyond your limits and, and, and experiencing the brotherhood and, and the worship and the work. Uh, and the challenge is 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 what men are made for, and that's what we need to do. And so I would say, 
just do it. Yeah, and that, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, and eight of them. Wow, that's that's amazing. And I, and last week, Pete and I talked a little bit about you know there there's there are some cases where it's just people can't go you know like for whatever reason, and we encourage them to be our prayer support you know for when the guys are out there on the mountain they're the ones that are back home praying the rosary going to adoration doing their prayers there in spirit i guess kind of keeping everybody supported in prayer so there's a way to participate even if they can't be out there on the trail all right guys yeah right on awesome with some prayer Uh, and next week, we're going to be starting on looking at the seven habits of highly effective people. So we're going to do an introduction to that, maybe even the first habit. We'll see how things go. But uh, So that's that's on the, the docket for next week, right, Peter? Yeah, I'm stoked about that. Yeah. Let's go. It'll be some good stuff. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good So part of our journey in this uh, man cast is that uh, Look at the faith, the intersection of faith and reason. And in this case, you might call it the psychology of success and, and Catholicism. So we'll be looking at Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People over the next uh, few podcasts and how it applies to us becoming humble and yet effective Catholic men. So, yeah, it'll be good. So tune in, folks. Absolutely. uh, All right, John, you want to take the prayer out or you want to give it to somebody else? I'll I'll take it. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's have Michael lead us out in prayer. All right. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you and we praise you for all of your many blessings. We thank you for the gift of our manhood um, and also for this apostolate of wilderness outreach and the good work that it does. We ask your prayers upon um, all of those that maybe are unable to make an expedition or those discerning that they um, seek to Um, to follow your will and all that they do. Help us to continue to follow all that we do in humble humility. This we ask through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Spirit. Right on, fellas. Thank you. Until next time. Make sure you like, subscribe,